Hi, listeners. Before you start the podcast today, I wanted to give you a quick heads up. Our guests today are really dynamic and passionate and also use a handful of bad language. If you've got kids in the back seat, you may want to save this podcast until later. Now, on to our intro. Welcome to another episode of the Coronet Northern California Chapter Podcast. This is Melissa Pacey, Principal at HGA Architects, member of the Leadership Council of the Northern California Chapter of Coronet, and your host today. During today's podcast, we'll get to listen in on a panel put together by the women of Coronet that includes Cheryl Durst, Executive Vice President and Chief Executive Officer of the International Interior Design Association, and Bari Williams, Head of Business Operations Management, North America at StubHub, as they discuss diversity and inclusion. To stay up to date with the Northern California chapter, please follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at Cornet NorCal. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and share on social media. And as always, please give us any feedback that you may have so that we can continue to incorporate it into our next podcasts. Today, I'm sitting here with Sean Scrivens, Workplace Services Project Manager at Broadcom Limited. So I'm really excited about the panel today. Um, and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about why the women of Cornet decided to do a program about identity, diversity, and inclusion. I can. Our goal is to address subject matters that are relative to today. Typically, we research topics that have an impact on everyday life, professionally and personally. With all of the most recent reporting and movements that we see in the media today, our committee all agree that having a conversation on diversity and inclusion is a subject matter worth promoting. I could not agree with you more. Um, I also found the selection of the panelists really exciting and intriguing. Could you talk a little bit about the credentials of each of the speakers and why they were selected? So, Melissa, we selected these two speakers uh, pretty much based on their credentials. Bari Williams is a native of Oakland, California, and she is a true advocate of diversity in the tech industry. We also discovered that Bari has written a multiple of op-eds um, that have been published in the likes of like Time and Forbes. Oh, that's really awesome. That's really exciting. With Cheryl Durst, uh, she is an amazing visionary leader for IIDA. We thought it would be good to incorporate her within this discussion because of her background within the design industry. And we felt this discussion, with her being involved in this discussion, she would be able to make it relative to the commercial real estate industry. I totally agree. I've um, been lucky to hear her speak multiple times, and I think that our listeners are in for a treat. She's a very dynamic speaker. Sean, I have to tell you, I was pretty excited when I heard that this was the topic of today's conversation. Uh, for me personally, I actually have um, gone through a year-long diversity training at my company. Okay. And based on everything that's happening in the world, I felt pretty armed to you know, really take that in. And I was really excited to see that as an organization, Cornet is also getting involved in that movement. Why do you think that our listeners will want to hear this podcast? I think the definition for both pretty much states it all. Diversity fosters a more creative and innovative workplace. Inclusiveness within the workplace enables us to embrace the diversity and richness of backgrounds and perspectives of our people and to leverage their diverse talents to arrive at a winning experience for individuals and their companies. I think that's awesome. Um, I think really our listeners are in for a treat today. Sean, could you talk a little bit about why this is important to you? 
I can. Me, being an African-American female within a corporate real estate, I thought it would be a great subject matter to bring to the table. I um, personally see when I go to meetings that it is still a male-dominated industry. And um, having this discussion, I feel, will lead us to work to change that or make the playing field more even. I could not agree with you more. I feel like as a you know, group, real estate, we're definitely leaving something on the table by not having a more diverse makeup. And I think that our listeners will be able to take a lot from today. So thank you. Thank you. I think there's a lot for our listeners to learn from today's conversation. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. We're just sitting up here just chatting away like no one else is here. But that's going to be a little bit what like this is like. When we were talking about strategizing around this program, and thank you so much uh, to the women of Cornet for inviting yes. both of us to do this. And we were kind of talking about what this would feel like. We definitely, I think Ari and I are both not the most formal people in the world. I mean, I no. will easily say I am <laughs> so not a tight ass. So we're not sitting we at a podium. More of that. <laughs> um, this is going to, we're going to have a conversation and we want you to feel like you're eavesdropping on just a really interesting conversation about something that is um, of the moment and impacts all of us, definitely is very of the moment in kind of all of the industries represented here, commercial real estate, tech, design, architecture, uh, construction management. And so I read Bari's bio and was completely blown away and thought, holy God. <laughs> Uh, Show my mom. <laughs> my mom is not impressed. <laughs> Neither are my kids. <laughs> you know, what is that about kids? It's like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I tell my kids, oh, I'm going here, I'm going there to do a program. And they always say, why do people even want to listen to you? <laughs> they don't, but, you know, teenagers, toddlers, <laughs> adults, <laughs> all of the above. So let's just jump right in. And um, when we were having our strategy conversation about what this wanted to be, what this wanted to feel like, I remember one of the women on the call said and pointed out, wow, diversity is one of those topics that makes people uncomfortable. Can you give some thought on that, why that is? I mean, I think we've all experience that. I think we've all been in those meetings where the agenda item is diversity and some people are like, yes, it's about time. And then some people you see their eyes roll up in their heads and some people are like, oh, I'm sorry, I have another meeting. I have to go. What is that? What's the uncomfortable and why do you think? It's fear. I think it's, it's fear born out of either you see yourself reflected in that word and it makes you uncomfortable because you don't want to be the only or you don't want to be the representative. And then it's also fear because you don't see yourself in the, in the word and you don't want to be attacked. Mm -hmm. So there's fear on both sides, which is why I, I'm in a proponent of diversity, but I, I try to lead with inclusion because mm -hmm. there's always, everyone can point to a time in their lives when they have been excluded from something, whether that is, you know, a, an invitation to a party or a business meeting there's been a point in time when you felt you should have been somewhere and you were not. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, that's 
easier in terms of getting people to even accept the invitation to the meeting. Um, and inclusion is a word that sounds a lot friendlier and, and is, it encompasses everyone as opposed to diversity might just be, okay, well, I'm not a woman, I'm not black, I'm not Latinx, I'm not differently abled, I'm not LGBTQ, I'm not a veteran, I'm not pick something. Right. I mean, and so everyone is going to say, okay, well, if I'm, I'm not represented in any of those, this isn't for me. But that's exactly who it's for. Right, right. And that, it makes it easy, I think, for people to opt out of a diversity conversation when they believe diversity is for some, and the reality is diversity is for all. And I think as we are all having these conversations, whether it's in our own teams, at our own firms, in our own organizations, using the word inclusion is really important and also stressing that diversity is something for all and not just a special segment of the population. Let's do a little bit of a reality check. Um, I have to say on the eve of Women's History Month, right? Tomorrow's March 1st, right? Yes, we get two so, months back to back. Yeah. We're really excited. Yeah. <laughs> Black History Month, Women's History Month. Yay! Well, every month is our month. Yeah. <laughs> she said it. Amen. <laughs> um, so on the eve of Women's History Month, it is wonderfully empowering and it feels really good to be sitting in a room full of women. I mean, because I think in all of our industries, that just doesn't always happen. Um, and then obviously to see people of color in the room, because I think I'm going to just do a special shout out to people of color right now, because I think we all know what it feels like to be the only person in the room. Um, and then, you know, for those of us who love accessories, we know what it's like to be the only, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out. I do not want to leave anybody out at all. I am a woman of a certain age. I am over 50. And sometimes I, Lord knows with all the millennials in the world, I am sometimes the only person over 50 in the room. So it's like, you know, that feeling of being the only one is a part of this conversation. And so I just have to say, it's really nice for a moment to not feel like the only one. Let's do a little bit of a reality, reality check around the industries that we are talking about. Um, data metrics around uh, diversity in tech, yeah. underrepresented in tech. What, what is the Polaroid of tech at the moment? Um, so you have uh, a, a flies and milk essentially you just have like a big jug of milk and That's throw like a, you know, throw a couple chocolate chips in there. We made a little couple salted caramel peanut brittle things, uh, stir it around. It's almost like that really bad diversity demonstration that the, the governor of Illinois. Illinois did. Yeah, it's yes. like that. It's exactly that. I, okay. So that was poor form. Um, I think that kind of goes without saying that that demonstration was just poorly received, but the point is accurate. It, your diversity is usually at the bottom layer of the glass and everything above that tends to be white and male. Um, and then when you look at it holistically in terms of who are the suppliers that are supplying these companies, who, who are on the boards, C-suite, you don't see a ton of people. You've seen kind of a push towards that now to see boards diversify. You have uh, Linda Johnson Rice at Tesla and you have Deborah Lee at Twitter and you have Ken Schnault now at Facebook. 
but that's because people had to press them for years. And I don't know, my mom always, when I say something, she's like, are you gonna get in trouble? <laughs> um, <laughs> probably. Probably. But You're amongst friends. Yeah, and whatever that podcast is. Yeah, all oh, right, there's that. <laughs> um, but no, I guess my concern there is like, I, I always love to see the progression, mm -hmm. but I hate that you have to beg for it. Right. And what I hate about begging for it is like, am I here because you want me here and you think I have something of value to give? Or am I here because people begged for it and you're going to get dragged on Twitter mm -hmm. if you continue to not do it? Right. So it's, it's, it's the NRA issue right now, right? With Delta and Georgia and now, you know, other 49 changed. other states are like, hey, right. Delta. Right. Who are being We're, come on over here. Exactly. Instead of making that choice pre-Parkland, um, they're now being forced into it, chained into it. Social media plays a huge mm -hmm. role. And I don't, I wouldn't, so I don't want to, I don't want to negate the effects of people realize things on their own time mm -hmm. sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Like some people, my mom and my grandmother were teachers. And so the the understanding that people learn in different ways was always drilled into me mm -hmm. that you need to give people information in the way that they're going to best receive it. Mm -hmm. Some people are audio ones. Some people need visual, they're tactile. So sometimes people have to be shamed into something for them, for it to click. Yeah. And people are never more shamed and never more willing to listen until they see how much money they're going to lose. So that's the other piece of this. It's often said that diversity has become an economic issue. Uh, in the for-profit world, mm -hmm. companies who are explicit in their diversity policies and demonstrate diversity have 35% higher earnings than companies who don't. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think that that's, I don't think that's a coincidence. No? I mean, and there are tons of different ways you can measure how effective diversity is and people tend to think, it's representation. And representation, I mean, bean counting. Like, oh, we have three women and we have two black guys and we have, you know, three Latinx and, and one differently abled. And it's like, yeah, that's nice. But if you have all of those people on one team, <laughs> and usually, like, if they're not on a technical team, especially, um, what does that say about the products that you're creating or even the testing and the use case for the, for the products you're creating? So, it's important to have diversity, not just within the company, but on a very specific individual team by team level. That's when you actually uh, yield those benefits. Well, and, and then just the visible aspects of diversity. I was with a group of students um, at SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design at their Atlanta campus. And they were all um, fourth year students looking forward to graduation. I was asking them about some of the places where they wanted to work because the economy is so great, so robust right now. As Kay knows, there almost is no such thing as an un unemployed designer. I think John can attest to that for the Northern, yeah, for the, in the Northern California community. And this year represents 80% of students graduating with a design degree have not one, but three job offers, wow. right? Wow. So the economy is robust and fantastic. Change the other job. thing though that worries me about these students and that statistic held true for last year and all things being equal, the economy stays strong, it'll hold true for uh, not just 2018, but 2019. But 
those students also don't know what it's like to live through a recession. They don't know what it's like to network your ass off. They don't know what it's like to connect. So that'll be kind of the next piece of what will be important for all of us in working with uh, students and in mentoring is people need to know what it's like to live through a not so great, mediocre, I know we're podcasting, but we all have lived through it, a shitty economy. And we know what it's like to lose your job and then depend on your network for your next opportunity. I think what they're also going to learn and might be the hard way is the human touch and element that networking requires. Absolutely. It, and is, a, I, it is a human activity, it, not a digital yeah, activity. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm really cognizant of this, particularly since my kids are so little and it's like the watching, you know, my mother who loved, just loved that I worked at Facebook does not have an account, will not have an account. And it's like, I'm not typing anything into the internet. I'm just not doing it. Like, but you use Uber. I don't yes. like, <laughs> it's like That's still different. technically kind of the internet. And you put your credit card information in, but you don't want to put your picture on a website. Okay, sure. Don't even try to reason with the mother. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, but it's looking at her and then looking at my son who, um, doesn't understand the concept. I tried to explain to him, like, when I was your age and I wanted to watch The Cosby Show, I know this is, like, not popular now, but I loved The Cosby Show in the, in the 80s, right? We didn't know he was doing these things. <laughs> and, or at least I did. And so I had to be sitting in front of a television on Thursday at 8 p.m. to see it. And if I, I was not doing that, I had to hope somebody in my house had a VCR and was videotaping it. And he's like, I, what? What is a VCR? And why couldn't you just Netflix it? Yeah. So my son is seven and a half. I was like, well, it didn't exist when I was seven and a half. And he's like, well, but why? Right, right. It's like, well, no one had thought of it. It's like, that sounds sad. Yeah. <laughs> but just looking at him, he lives the bulk of his life online. He mm -hmm. doesn't play video games, but he loves to discover new things on YouTube. So he reads things and then he wants to you know, type, type in whatever he's learning about, like different types of amphibians. Fine. Awesome. But how about like talking to another kid yeah, about yeah. it? Yep. And I wonder how we make sure that they keep that human touch. And also just interesting how the definition of words change based off of that, like friend. Mm -hmm. I don't call all 2000 something of my Facebook friends, my friends. I, I don't, I don't know you. I mean, I, I, I know you, but I don't know you. Um, and so it's interesting to see how people redefine words and use them and what it all means. Like if you don't, if I de deactivate my Facebook account or my Instagram account or my Twitter account tomorrow, do you know how to find me? And if you don't, we're probably not friends. Right. But it's just, sorry, that was a complete aside, no, but I, I, I think a, that's. <laughs> um, and I probably should have done a warning for the audience, um, tangents ahead. Yes. Because yes. we both live in the world of tangents, but we don't know where all of this is going to take us. But two things I want to touch on that you, so the generational aspect yes. with regard to diversity, but then also going back to um, kind of the human touch and this, these kids, because I've got one of them. I have a 20-year-old. She just turned 22 on Saturday. My daughter is graduating from college. May 11th, graduation. Super excited. Ooh. Yay. 
Santa Fe University of Art and Design. And my son is a freshman in college who just started his first year at RISD. And they nice. do the same thing to me about, well, mom, when I talk to them about going to the library. And why the would fact we do that? that? I, why would I do that? Did you go to meet people? Is that where you, you know, pre-like Tinder? You What's a card catalog? <laughs> yeah, like, what is a card catalog? And what when is I that? explained to them, I took a typewriter off and... IBM Selectric was my graduation gift from high school. And exactly, I was a big fan of the Courier Ball. And also, you know, so if you laugh, you know what that means. <laughs> the backspace. And so my kids think that is the funniest thing. And so they will say, well, back when you and Rosa Parks were in school, Ooh. you know, and it's just, or sometimes they throw Sojourner Truth at me and I'm like, I'm not that old. Um, but it's you so language mm -hmm. and think and I'm thinking about these young folks at SCAD that I talked to and they were talking about the places that they're selecting to work because they do have a choice every single one of them there were about a hundred or so of them in the room and we spent some time talking on the side I'm like how did you choose this place how did you decide that you wanted to work here as opposed to there Every single one of them noted Instagram, Twitter, and homepage of all of the entities that had hired them. And when they looked at the homepage, the meet our team, see the people that work here. For the students of color, they were like, when I saw someone who looked like me, I knew that I could work in that place. Yeah. So the visible aspect, and I remember my parents telling me, and I remember being very skeptical about it, but aspirations are something that are incredibly important. And I remember my parents who were kind of typical middle-class African-Americans. My mother was a research scientist. Uh, my father was a high school principal who went on to be a professor at University of Michigan. You have to see it to be it. But we all know that, you know, did Mae Jemison see an African-American astronaut to know that that's what she wanted to be? But that, somebody always has to be the first, but that notion of seeing people that you have an affinity with. So whether it is something as on the surface as skin color, whether it's gender, whether it is age, it might be point of view when you're able to go to when you have an interview, an informational interview, and you're able to sit down with people and say, oh, I like the way they think. Yep. Yep. Um, but it was so interesting to me that the students noted that they were specifically looking for point of view and looking for people who looked like them um, in choosing a place of employment. So I think that is something for recruiters to be aware of, for all of us who are hiring to be aware of that. I would, I would caveat that though, right? Yeah. Because what you don't want to do is then have set up a false pretense. So True. what I've, True. I've also seen, Ooh, and fake, I used to work. Not fake black folks on your, <laughs> on your homepage. <laughs> stock well, photos. Or not, or not stock photos, but you, you find every black person posted. at work that day. And then you get them all together and take the picture yeah. and then put it on your homepage. And yeah. it's like, first off, it's always one of those things where it's like, wow, you work here. I didn't know you worked here. Oh, and you in for the photo. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you don't, so you don't want to set up a false pretense either where Absolutely. you're taking a photo and you have an over, over representation of women right. and 
maybe, you know, there are really only eight women in the company and you have seven of them in the photo. You know what I mean? Like you, you want to make sure that you're not selling dreams. Yeah. So inclusion has to be authentic. Yes. To be real. It has to be authentic. It has to be genuine. Yes. Um, and that, depending on what the organization is, that, that could be different things. Right. Um, it depends on what the organization produces, what are their values. So those are other things that I look at. What are the company values? Right. Articulating core values. Right. Yes. And to your point about not, it's okay to, someone has to be the first. My grandmother used to say it's okay to be the first, but don't be the last. Right. And the point is, um, it was actually, that was actually the theme of my, my college graduation from Cal. We have black graduation and the speaker's theme was be a Trojan horse. So it was essentially, if you come in, it's your responsibility to then represent the viewpoints of everyone else who is not allowed in, um, which I think is kind of something that I was always taught to do. But I think it's, it's very important to, to make sure that that type of inclusion is authentic for the company that you're in mm -hmm. and what it is that they produce, what are their values, um, and what do you want out of the experience. Mm -hmm. Because a company could be fantastic and has all these things, but if they're not going to give you what it is, what you need out of that experience, it's still not a worthwhile endeavor. How important is it to feel supported in the workplace? Whether it's formal support through policy mm -hmm. or informal support through a network of colleagues and peers. So I, I don't want to lawyer this to death, but I can never really take that hat off, right? How are yeah. we defining support? And I ask that because as, as an attorney, I know that policies and rules are only as good as the enforcement of those policies and rules because you could have a nice shiny policy statement and yeah. if it's not actually in effect or there are no ramifications for not meeting it, does it matter? So what, what do you mean by support? What does support look like to you? Um, thinking about those students, that the feeling of being comfortable and supported in a workplace. I had a conversation with a colleague who works at a um, major manufacturer in our industry, in the design industry, and she mentioned that this particular manufacturer had lots of those great shiny policies and they had um, affinity groups and yet she felt distinctly unsupported and here's why and this was someone who's about the age of 40 and I thought this was so interesting because sometimes we're never out of high school and I don't mean that negatively yeah. um, she said I sit in the corporate cafeteria amenities area lunchroom nobody sits with me oh yeah uh, that's interesting um, so she went to HR with with this story and i'd be really curious as to what the response to that is <laughs> because i mean because on one hand yes it's odd but it's one data point right it's one day and you point. also can't mandate somebody to be your lunch buddy that is true that is true and hr's response threw the burden a little bit back right that's exactly what her. i thought it would happen Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. right. And so the, who have you asked to join you? Don't just sit there right. and expect the company, the world to come to you. So is this, is this a woman of color? Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's, here's the, the real gag on that one, right? <laughs> um, so 
change my posture. My mom would be so horrified, but this is the, like the real talk posture. Um, so here's the problem with that, right? Is being a woman, you already have the burden of being nice. Like I read something the other day from a, a friend and she was saying that she has to be careful about how many exclamation points she includes in emails because when she doesn't, people think that she's not being friendly which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard, right? It's like, like, oh my God, it would be great if you could send that back. Thank. And it's like, I, no, women start emails with, I just want to. I just want to, yep. Don't, I'm sorry. To interrupt you. Or sorry just, to disturb. I know you're busy, but. Yeah. Right. And so am I. So you're going to get this email however I write it. And if I'm asking you for something, it's because you were supposed to deliver something. I know what my action items are. Maybe you need a reminder. I'm gently nudging. And it, but it's interesting that women already have this expectation that you, can, you have to be nice. But then if you're too nice, then people walk all over you. And then if you, if you push back after they've walked all over you, it's like, well, now she's a bitch. And then you add you color, color on top of that. And then you're angry black woman. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I mean, the struggle it, is real. It's like looking for a couch in here. It's just like lay out. Like, so when I was eight, but yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly what it is. Is you're you're getting hit with darts from every angle, and then if you are Latina, it's an issue of oh well, you're you're fiery, you're fiery, and if you're Asian, it's oh well, they don't expect you to speak up because you're supposed to be docile. It's everybody has something. Mm -hmm. And it's often put upon me and put upon all of us before we even walk in the room. And then on top of that, but I always get this is like, I'm tall. And so I've, I've never had, um, trying to think if I've had a boss that's been taller than me, which has been really interesting. The, the women that were shorter were cool, but the men Man. where I could look them in the eye or yeah. I was looking at the top of their head, yeah. they flex the most. Yeah. And it's like, you don't even need to do that. Yeah. I work for you. It's, yeah. it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's not sometimes, but it's <laughs> short man syndrome is real. It's very real. It's very real, but yeah. it, it's interesting that it's almost like a jockeying of position or you have to constantly reassert yourself yeah. and it's, it's not necessary. Like we're all on the same team. How do we have these conversations in the workplace? Like we are having this now, this is very real. This is very honest. We can laugh about this. We can smile about this. We've all lived this. So how do we take this? inclusion, equity, um, to the next level. And like the conversation I was having with my friend, when she went to HR, I cautioned her. I actually said to her, mm -hmm. don't, you be put a target on your back. I said, don't, well, and don't be a black woman about this and don't apologize for asking the question, but you are complicit in this as well. Yep. Be a part of it. Don't just sit there, complain, chalk it up to racism it, you gotta look beyond and everything sometimes. isn't everything isn't sometimes it may be you just haven't opened up that's another thing i would say too though is that i think women and people of color and particularly women of color 
you get that kind of double-edged sword. Like people say they want you to be your authentic self, but when you show it, it's used against you. Mm. Um, or it's seen as something to manage around. And you, so it's, it's scary where you want to open up, but you want to make sure that that's not something that is later going to be to your detriment. But then you get the flip side where if you are not friendly, then it's like, well, she's cold or she's mean, or how come you don't smile? But that's my, oh God. Even with just street harassment, it's like, oh, smile. Mind your business. Like, why are you worried about what I'm doing? And you get flavors of that in the workplace. Where you have men who will, you know, talk to, to female colleagues or women colleagues and say, well, you know, you do, are you okay? Is everything okay? You, you're not really, you didn't offer to take the notes today. I've seen this. You didn't offer to take the meeting notes today. Like, first off, these, these meeting notes are for my personal, my, my personal stash because I keep every screenshot, email, note, everything because I like to be able to refer back to it, which is something else I tell women because people are quick to try to throw you under a bus or have you yeah. do additional work, um, what I call office house work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't volunteer for that. So document. Correct. Document everything. And as soon as someone says, well, where is so-and-so? Or I thought you said, well, per my notes from the meeting on Friday at 3 p.m. with these four people, these were the action items and the takeaways or see attached email. And that's not just attorney DNA. Mm -mm. You know, that's, that's corporate self-preservation. That's organizational self-preservation. That's just yes. something we should all do. Short-term memory loss is a very big <laughs> thing in the world and just, just keep your notes. But I noticed that I, find myself telling women and people of color to do that more often than I, I I've never told a white man to do that. And that's normally because there's somebody in there who's taking the notes and he's just expecting somebody will give him the notes. Yeah. And what happens if you say, no, Greg, you can't have the notes. <laughs> I mean, really like what happens? I've never seen that. I've never seen that. And I would be very curious. To, I'm not saying any of you do that report yeah. back, <laughs> but I, I'm curious as to how someone would take, yeah. take that as a perceived affront like no i'm no you can't have them and it's like well you're you feel entitled to them well when we all come back next month <laughs> right back here right someone tell me yeah thank you Paolo Networks, for having us come back next week next next month um so are women i'm gonna i'm gonna shift to being gender specific mm -hmm. are we as women um uniquely positioned to move the diversity conversation, the inclusion conversation forward, regardless of industry. I mean, it could be law, it could be construction, it can be corporate real estate, it can be design. Is there, you know, is this a moment? I mean, yeah. we can't ignore hashtag me too. Yeah. You know, is, is this a moment for us to move? And maybe it's not just the inclusion conversation. Are there other conversations around equity and pay oh yeah that's to me that's part of me too yeah that or it should be yeah absolutely. because a lot of it is it's you're being harassed based off of your position within a company or trying to get access to a company and whether it's casting couch or it's whatever the mechanism is even when you get there you're you're underpaid and under leveled so that's certainly part of it. Mm -hmm. um, I would say two pieces to think about around me too yes I think that it is it's it's a moment to move it forward but it's also one of those things where it's if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far go together 
that needs to be an, an inclusive movement. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the whole notion of you know, rising tide lifts all boats. So if you can find a way to lift the least of us, that helps those already at the top too. And my concern is that it hasn't been as inclusive as, or it had the, the face of it hasn't been as, inclu hasn't been as inclusive as it could be. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you think about equity and pay disparity, that you have whole layers on top of layers and like feminism, second wave feminism, how, what were the issues? And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think there's certainly something that could be put there for it, but it has to be more inclusive. And I think the other piece to it is, Everyone cheered and was really excited when these men were either forced out of their companies or they resigned on their own accord. And that's great. That's a start. But I would like some follow-up because it's been a year since Susan Fowler wrote her piece about Uber. Mm -hmm. And I mean, okay, so where are the heads rolling and that's fine. But what has actually happened since Travis is gone? I mean, what, where are the policies and the things that have taken effect that have culturally changed that organization? It's fine for one person to leave. However, he's still on the board, so he's still getting right. his money. Right. So it's like, yeah, I quit a job that I didn't really need the money from anyway. So those things just become symbolic. It's, just, it's And the irony yeah. of symbolism when it has no meaning to back it up. So it's just, okay, we did that. Yes. Check that box. Yes. And it's like, that's great. But, and Harvey Weinstein left his company and that's great. But what has changed within the organization mm. to foster real change there for women? And I haven't seen anything tangible on that. I would love somebody to do follow up and figure out what that is. And the answer may be there are tons of things that we just don't know. And we don't know. And the answer could be nothing. nothing. Either way, these men are still getting residual checks from investments and being on the board and everything else. They're just not sitting in the seat. And if the culture hasn't changed and now you've just elevated somebody else who thinks the same way that's sitting in the seat, what's, what's the difference? So then how does the change happen? You have to force people's hand. You have to, you just, you do. You have to force people's hand. Closed mouths don't get fed. You just, you have to, when you see shenanigans, call shenanigans. You, I mean, of course, you do it nicely, you know. I, I kind of like hashtag shenanigans. That <laughs> completely works. Um, so let's make it personal. Mm -hmm. Your path, has, you've had a really interesting path and you wear a lot of hats, corporate legal counsel, tech executive, mom, ops and efficiency expert, which also is synonymous with being a mom too. It's just, yeah. you know, one's domestic and one's for a for-profit entity. You're a writer. What was your path? Because somewhere out there is a woman looking at you saying, how can I do that? How can I get there? Um, or a young man looking at you saying, how can I get there? <laughs> it's funny you say that. I, uh, so I advise a company called Owl, which I, I love dearly. And it started by two men who worked at Apple and worked on iPhone and, and iPod. And so the, the interface, because they, they were trained at Apple, everything is very sleek and clean and minimalist. And there were things that I went back and forth with them on. 
And what was interesting was, you know, you would think, particularly also because they came from Apple and worked on these first gen products, that they're like, no, this is the way it is. And I stopped and would say to them, this is how I would use this product. This is how I envision it helping certain communities. Like, have you thought about this? And they're like, no, we hadn't. And they're completely open to it. In every phone conversation that I, that I had, and when I was sitting in drafting language, I had my son next to me because I want him to see that I'm not just his mother, that people actually care about my opinion <laughs> and value it. <laughs> Um, and to see all sides of that, right? And so when the product actually shipped, it ships this week, but we had a beta and I let him open it. And he's like, wow, you, you helped make this. And my husband's an engineer and he, he hasn't brought anything home that he made. So I was, I was winning <laughs> last week. <laughs> but I think it's find your thing, whatever your thing is. Yeah. And for me, it was always reading and writing. And I knew that that would translate into me writing whether that was um whether it's it's articles or it's um writing privacy language or it's drafting contracts or writing for fun that was always my thing like i was the kid where you know my mom would say it's time to go to bed and i would just bust out a flashlight and that was just that's yeah. just been my thing since i was seven and that was the thing that I, I told my son is this year i want you to find your thing and it doesn't have to be my thing right Whatever it is that you want, I, I just want you to find something that you're passionate about. And everything else will kind of come from that. So your path is predicated on your passion. What have you learned in the last decade that you would have told your 21-year-old self or your 18-year-old self? Patience is a virtue. Man, that is, oh, God, I could like cry a river about that. Um, no, that's, that's probably the, and I struggle with that. It will be a lifelong struggle. Um, that, and I, I always have asked why mm -hmm. I just don't take the first answer as gospel. And if, if I, even if I'm inclined to take the first answer, I still want to understand it. Mm -hmm. And my mom always says that that will be the death of me is asking why all the time. Like sometimes, and she said, why do you always, sometimes shit just is. Yeah. <laughs> which is true and but that's patience right yeah. it's like I don't have the patience to just accept that answer there's got to be a, a deeper meaning to but it right to, problem no. solving begins with why I mean I Correct. think all the designers in the room can attest to the best design solutions that you provided for your clients mm -hmm. begin with the question yeah and it's why. like why are why are you designing this yeah. what do you want its purpose to be what's the utility is it functional is it decorative is it both what who are you servicing yeah. all of that is going to inform how you do what you do and it's no different in law or in or in business yeah um you're um always asking why also reminded me of one of my favorite quotes from eleanor roosevelt and it was along the lines of not accepting that first answer and her quote was never accept a no from someone who doesn't have the power to say yes you man that's yes yes I would also say, I don't remember, I, I don't remember where I, I saw this quote, but it's when you say yes to others, make sure you're not saying no to yourself. And that again goes to patience. Um, and for me, it's, I, I, I'm not good at sitting still, obviously. <laughs> um, I'm always doing something. And when I was 21, so what do I tell my 21 year old self, you should have stayed that fourth year in college. 
I graduated in three years. I graduated at 20. And in the moment, that seemed like a really cool accomplishment. And in hindsight, I'm like, damn, I, just, I wasted a year. I could have been studying abroad or just doing something else. Um, it just like in a hurry to grow up, mm-hmm. realizing like adulting, I didn't know adulting was like not that awesome. <laughs> I, <laughs> I could have just, you know, waited. I maybe even could have stretched it out to the fifth year and be like, oh, I'll get back. But yeah, I, and so that it's interesting though. Those are things that I will definitely teach my kids. Um, and I, I find that I, I, want I probably will tell my daughter that more than I will tell my son I, I feel like men kind of pick up and they go off to college and they find their way back if they find their way back mm-hmm. and what I've noticed even just anecdotally is women always come home to take care mm-hmm. and men are off globe trotting if somebody is elderly and the caregiver is always the sister right. it's never the brother yeah. and so it's interesting to watch that dynamic. So I would, if anything, I would tell both my kids to go off and do that, but I would make sure that my daughter really, really understands that. Mm-hmm. Um, and intentional, I would say, so my word of the year, I told one of my friends um, on New Year's Eve, I don't do resolutions necessarily, but I wanted to pick a word for the year. Cause I feel like last year I said yes to everything. You open an envelope at 10 today, I'm go. And I can't do that and have two kids and a job and a husband right. and friends and organizations I'm part of and do all of those things unless I want to be ragged and you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. So I told my friend on New Year's Eve, my word for the year was intentional and that I wanted to be very intentional about how I spend my time, where I spend my time and with whom I spend my time. Mm-hmm. So that's, those are the things I would tell myself. That perfection. I- Noted intentional. I want to circle back to your comment about women always coming home. I mean, that's DNA uh, is, is, can be gender specific sometimes. And it is hardwired into the nature of women. Um, we are not, we can be taught to be nurturers, but we are naturally nurturing. And sometimes that brings out our best, but sometimes that always doesn't serve us in the workplace yes. as well. Um, and that's, you know, there are all kinds of articles and all kinds of books out there. Um, obviously the, the word of the last decade, the most successful people in business, uh, have EQ as well as IQ, um, emotional intelligence, um, is a known trait of women, but that can also work to our detriment. Um, sometimes from the elasticity, fluidity, flexibility, we can be taken advantage of. So kind of using our powers for good and not evil yes as well yes um i would say it's it's the double-edged sword right Uh so it's it's great because i find that um women are very good at multitasking i find them able to to kind of multitask a little easier it's it seems natural um and that's great but i think the the underside to to what you're talking about is not not almost like maternal in some ways, but if you if you take that kind of energy into the workplace, it can be taken advantage of. But if you don't, then you then you're cold again. Then you're cold again. Yeah. And you know, I I, I may or may not have made a 
a coworker cry once. <laughs> and, and he really, he, <laughs> he, he, um, and I was spoken to about it. Now, quick, quick and dirty version of this story. I was working with this gentleman trying to get some deals done. And I'm the attorney and you're kind of the business person. So your, your lane is pricing, you know, quantity, that kind of stuff. Um, my lane is you know, IP rights, indemnification, limitation of liability, specificity if there's breach. I'm feeling like somebody didn't stay in their lane. Not at all. He swerved. <laughs> He's, he, he, he swerved. <laughs> he, he swerved recklessly and early and often and frequently. And, and I try to think about people's intentions. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to be helpful. And it was fine. And I told him the first, you know, three times, hey, I really appreciate you doing this, but it's actually causing more work because I have to undo what you promised somebody that we can't give them. He did it the fourth time and it caused a five alarm fire between me and two other attorneys that are specialists. At which point everybody was like, man, can somebody just get this dude? Like why, why does this keep happening? And so finally I, I said to him, and this had happened on different deals, but this was five times on one deal finally. And I snapped and I was like, so look, I know you and I have a relationship where you want me to tell you the truth. And I, you know, I, I've been very nice about this, but I'm just, you fucking up. You, you're fucking us up for all of us. Like you, you are, you're, you're causing extra work. This has been delayed for two weeks because you keep inserting yourself where we keep telling you we don't, not only do we not need you, but you're, you're, you are not helpful. And he cried. Wow. He cried and then went and wrote a four page letter to his boss and my boss and said that I was condescending to him, I was rude, um, I was cold, and something else. And the you were all the things. I was, I was all the things. And the first thing I said when my boss asked to talk to me about it, and I said, well, that's really interesting, because I watched Ben give that same feedback to him last week, and he said, thank you, okay. He's like, well, maybe you should just take it easy on him. I was easy the first four times and he didn't get it. But when I give it to him in the language in which he clearly understood because Ben gave it to him last week, now it's a problem. Mm -hmm. so, so at this point, I'm just left thinking it's the messenger. It's not the message. He's like, well, why do you always have to go there? I was like, I don't have to go anywhere. What I'm saying is that I watched him give this exact same feedback and he was perfectly fine with it and stopped the behavior even so when i say it it's worth less and then when i give it to you when you can understand it now it's too much and i i am sure aside from the fact Clarinda, where are you um first of all is there a five second delay on the podcast because she dropped the f-bomb oh i'm sorry i'm no, so I'm sorry i'm just messing with you I'm totally kidding because i don't care <laughs> oh okay it's a casual conversation. I, but that I, was a verbatim quote. Yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> Which is why he cried. Again, another hashtag when talking to this woman, hashtag verbatim quote. I ensure all of us in this Hashtag room, make men cry. Yeah, yeah, and you got that too. 
we have probably all been in a situation where we have repeatedly had to give an action, give a correction, give a note, whatever your favorite phrase is, and it's been ignored. And then when you just push it that fifth time or that eighth time or that 11th time, you are the problem. You're the bad person. So for the sake of um, a teachable moment, an instructional moment, how do we deal with that? Because somebody, if it hasn't happened to you, it will. Um, this isn't a new corporate situation. I guess I, I grew up in a house where I could not raise a problem unless I had a solution. Like I, my mother just would not allow me to say, I don't, even if it was something basic, like I don't want to eat that for dinner. Okay, so then what do you want? Yeah. And also, can you cook it and or do you have money to order it? Order. Yeah. Because this is what I made and yep. so this is what it is. Bring me solutions, not problems. Correct. And so I kind of approach it in the same manner is that I, I look at it as somebody is taking the time to give me a correction or give me constructive feedback. It's because they think, number one, you think I, I'm better than, than this, which is good. That means you haven't given up. And two, it means that you think that there's something I can do to make, to make myself better, to be more efficient, to be uh, a better professional or a better wife or a better mother or a better organization member or whatever it is. And I feel like you take that, you should take that feedback in the spirit in which it is given. And I say it's, it's worse when people are not giving you the feedback because mm-hmm. what that means is they're talking about you to somebody else mm-hmm. and they're just letting you flounder. Mm-hmm. And by the time, I also noticed that by the time something gets to you, um, and that's also why I ask for, I ask for feedback in the moment, um, or when something is just completed, is there anything I could do that would have made this experience better? Like, is there something that you, you want me to do next time that would make it better? Because if it, if you don't get feedback and you hear something like three months later, it, it's because they've already written you off. So I would also be very mindful of that too. Um, and just aside for the audience, I'm asking Barry these questions, these kind of career oriented questions, because we are, we're all good here. We are all where we need to be. We have ambitions. We want to get to the next level. And part of inclusion is, again, pushing us all to that next level. And we always need those tools, those resources, and those mentors to get us to that next level. And so um, mentors, how important have mentors been in your career? Um, and have your mentors been from a diverse community? Has Greg been a mentor? Greg no. is kind of the catch-all name for white no. men. Just, um. Not that Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Not the Greg who wanted the notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there have been other, other Gregs, though. Yeah. Um, that have been yeah. great. I would say the... You're not that Greg. It could be any... Yeah. Greg's my next door neighbor, too. Greg's just a great white man name. It's just... <laughs> Susan for white women, too. That's just... That's a, oh, yes, because the Whitney song. My name's not Susan. Yeah. I love that song. Um, I actually... The, the best mentors that I have... Or the best bosses I have are actually women. Um, and I think there's just kind of this this very easy memory recall and ability to to relate to one another 
um, particularly if they also have kids and they're also juggling multiple things, which, and even if they don't have kids, they're still usually juggling multiple juggling things. things yeah. And the beauty of that is being able to get not just um, business and career advice, but just like little life nuggets mm -hmm. or like, Hey, have you thought about doing this instead of that or outsource this? So you get 10 minutes back in your day. Like, Oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So I would say that there, there've definitely been um, really great bosses. I, I would actually say, think about networking sideways. I'm trying to remember what the Issa Rae quote was that I read like a month or so ago, but she was talking about how everyone is always trying to network up and they want mentors that are here. And it's like, pay attention to the people who are grinding with you because those are the people that may give you your next break or may be able to, to help you get your foot in the door when they go to that next company yep. or whatever it is that they're doing. And everybody always wants to clamor for the person who's sitting in the top spot. Right. And that's fine. But you also have to be mindful that because everyone's clamoring for them and they also have their whole you know, own life, they probably have very little attention to give to all the people that are clamoring for their attention. Yeah. And so you're not going to get as much. And it's a lot easier to talk to somebody who understands your struggle because they're also in it and of it. Mm -hmm. What about the haters? So I flew in and I love the San Jose airport because there's a great bookstore in the San Jose airport and they always have great business books and the latest and greatest. And there was a book on the shelf called hug the haters. <laughs> and no. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying I agree with it, but it was all about kind of learning to embrace the folks that don't support you, the haters, as it were. From a career standpoint, mm -hmm. let's just let's just take a moment to bookmark hug the haters. Okay, um, it's interesting you bring this up because this happened literally like an hour before I got here. I was ready to like push somebody down some stairs when I saw this, like legit wanted to push somebody down some stairs. And normally I would, I would call my husband and vent this kind of thing where I'm having an, an issue. Um, but unfortunately he, well, fortunately for him, unfortunately for me, he is in London for work this week. And so the time difference would not allow me to call him and scream. I can't believe this. Can you believe this? So you're not going to believe it either. But a cinch yeah. Well, essentially a friend who I used to work with at Facebook was interested. He referred me for a role somewhere where I, I hadn't even really thought about it. And he sent me a message and said, Hey, I wanted to follow up with you because I referred you for this role, but you know, I know that you didn't know anything about it, but something ended up not moving forward. And I wanted to tell you why and I said, Oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm listening. Uh, this lady threw some shade your way and gave the impression your personality is too big for our company. So I said, oh, what's her name? <laughs> and, he, and he sent it to me. And, it, and it's a woman, it's, it's a woman who I've gone to Soul Cycle with a couple times. I don't Not even, soul cycle so, but here's the thing, let's, let's bring it full circle. Let's bring it full circle. If I delete my Facebook, she can't find me. So, cause we're not friends like, well, I will say, which was, was also interesting. I'm a member of a certain um, sorority and this woman had emailed me years ago asking how could I get her in the sorority? And I was like, well, I, I'm on leave. I'm a general member, so I can't help you right now, but 
you know, a couple years when I'm back active, sure. And so when he sent me this, I was, first I was shocked because I've been nothing but nice to this woman. I gave her a reference for something else before. And, you know, I, I saw her literally a month ago at Soul Cycle, and then we had coffee. <laughs> so, um, Soul Cycle and coffee. Right. So, I, and the thing that really hurt the most wasn't necessarily just that I had done these things for her before, but what hurt the most was this was a black woman. During Black History Month. <laughs> the last day. The last, well, see. The last day. And see, we didn't get leap year this year. So no, so it's no day. extra day. But you know what? It's fine because I'm going to continue to not hug her for the month of March because she's a woman too. <laughs> but I was, I, was, I was really shocked by that. And so when I, and I, since I couldn't call my husband, I said to, to two girlfriends and that know her and they were, they were shocked. Everyone was shocked. Like, oh my God, I would not have thought that she would do this. And then one of them sent me a meme that said, sometimes you're not invited because they don't want you to steal the attention. And I said, oh, yes, yes. And then someone sent another one that said, uh, you will be too much for some people. Those aren't your people. And it, it's true. I think everything happens the way that it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. And now if what that tells me is one, I have never worked with this woman or for her and she's in recruiting and I'm in legal and ops. So it's like, wow. you don't even know what I do like at all. And you don't recruit for legal or ops. So like, what are you doing? Um, and second to that was, you know, it, it's, it's, if a company is going to listen to that, that's not necessarily somewhere I want to work because mm -hmm. what that means is that you guys gossip and yeah. I don't want to be involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just, if, and also if my personality is too big and you've made that determination before I step foot for an interview, I don't need to work there because it is big and it's probably bigger than you think it is. Cause this woman told you that it's big. And then I get there, you're going to be like, Oh my God, it was huge. <laughs> and I also don't want, to work somewhere where I cannot be myself. Yeah. I'm at a point, like I would, I would have done that in my twenties. That's the thing I would have done when I was 21. Uh -huh. I would have done that. I, I had the whole code switching thing down to a T. I was great at it. I didn't have curly hair. My hair was pressed. I had the, the sweater set and I was like, <laughs> Hey Greg, I'm happy to send you those notes, Greg. <laughs> I'm not doing that at 38. I'm not doing it at 38. So, and that's just kind of where I am. And it's the same thing with my articles. I think I told you this story, right? Like, so the article I wrote about um, diversity, what the Apple woman said about diversity, the New York Times article I wrote, my, my high school boyfriend is, uh, he's white and he's in VC. And he called me and he said, you have, I just answered, hello. He's like, you have a really good way of pissing people off. And I said, oh, oh, hi. <laughs> How are you, Ray? <laughs> um, and I said, well, are you pissed off? And he said, no, I agree with what you said. I just want you to be mindful that the things that you say and the things that you write could box you out of opportunities you don't know you're being considered for. And I said, thank you. I'm well aware. And if somebody is going to not want to even consider me or talk to me based off of that, I don't need to work there. So it's fine. Everybody wins.
Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. So yeah, the, the article, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the article, the article was um, a response to what the now former uh, head of diversity and inclusion at Apple, at Apple said. And she said that 12 white men in a room could be diverse. Like that's diversity. And I was like, nah, um, kind of, but not really in the sense that that's not the type of representational diversity that the tech industry is trying to solve for. And I do agree on its face that it could be mm -hmm. because you could have someone who is an immigrant, someone who's differently abled, someone who is LGBTQ, someone who's a veteran. It could, it, you could have variations of that, but that is not the actual problem that the tech industry is looking to solve. They're looking to solve for representational diversity, which means black, Latinx, right. women. And so I just found the argument intellectually dishonest. And furthermore, if that, if that's the case and that is diversity, then like, why do you have a job? Because problem solved, like you don't need to have a job. So, I mean, I didn't say that, but. Because that would have really. Well, well, so that article came out, that op-ed came out and like three weeks later, she announced that she was leaving and my husband sent me the news clipping of her announcing that she was leaving. He's like, you got this lady fired. <laughs> And I, said, I didn't get her fired. I'm sure she had already planned to leave months before because she had another job already waiting. It just was inopportune timing. But I understood what Ray's point was, was that you're saying things that people are not going to agree with. And because they don't agree with this and they know that you feel this way, they're not going to consider you right. for certain opportunities that you would be great at. Right. I said, That's awesome. But that means I'm not great for that organization. Right. Right. And that's okay. And again, I think that is a universal truth for women, for women of color, for women of a certain age. Um, Ugh, age. That's a whole other, like that's part two of this um, when we come back next month. But <laughs> that ability to say what needs to be said, to say what is important, and to not have our salaries, our positions, and our next promotion held hostage based on that. And, and backtracking just a little bit back to this kind of women supporting women, that is why it is so intrinsically, basically, fundamentally important for us to support one another. Which is why I was floored today. <laughs> that I completely agree. And it's, you know, the Issa Rae thing was like, I'm rooting for everybody black. I'm rooting for all women too. All women, yeah. I'm rooting for all women. And it's, it's not a great thing to watch, particularly around with office politics, where you have people feel like they have to undercut or backstab somebody to get ahead because there can only be one. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that, I don't want to say patriarchy because I, I love the men that are in here. Um, but it, it's essentially set up a system where we have to compete with one another instead of just compete with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just so unfortunate. And, and it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't have to be that way. No, no, because there's enough. There's yes. enough that we need to contend with. We, capital we, universal we, um, that we have to contend with. And, you know, will we all love one another? Um, I don't have to like you to support you, but I will always support your you ability to be where you are. And I just, you know, that and was, if I can't support you, I'm going to defer to silence. Yeah. 
I'm just going to be quiet. Yeah. Being quiet is free. It's fat free, calorie free, gluten free. It's easy. It's it, good for the heart. It's yes. It's heart healthy. It hydrates. <laughs> like it just, you don't, it, that's the thing is what I will not do is undercut someone. Yeah. If I don't have anything nice to say, I'm just going to defer to silence. Yes. I just, I don't know her. I'm, I'm unfamiliar with her work, but she sounds, she seems great. One more word I want to, I have no idea what time it is. Um, what, <laughs> awesome. One more word. And then are we going to do questions from the audience? Do we have time for that? Okay. One thing I want to throw out there, and it has to do with also an identity piece as Professions, we in interior design talk about value a lot. Mm -hmm. How are we valued as a distinct profession that is not architecture, it is not other things, being valued as interior designers, not having it diluted or confused with any mm -hmm. other profession. Value applies to who we are, our, our identity as women, our identity as, as employees. I look at um, the engineering profession. 40 years ago, there was a strategic plan in the profession of engineering to bring in more women and yeah. more people of color. Yep. They created a plan, they worked that plan, and by 1980-ish, there were more women enrolled in engineering programs at any other time in history, and that number has just continued to escalate and grow. Um, I look at allied profession to interior design, architecture. Right now, there are more women enrolled in architecture programs than ever before. However, in the world of architecture and design, the, the profession itself is about 88, 89% female, yet the top earners in the profession are all male. There's a pay gap. The uh, men are making about $160,000 to women's 115. That translates to corporate real estate, yep. that translates to tech. The, the numbers might be different, but the ratios are the same with that, that gap. Mm -hmm. How do we have a conversation about value? How do we have a conversation about being valued? Because that is as much a part of this conversation around um, inclusion and diversity as that, that equity piece. What does value mean, right? We're living through a very, um, yeah. uncivil moment in the world right now. It's, it's almost been legislated that hate is okay. Um, how do we have a conversation about value? Ooh, that was big. Yeah, that's a, uh, <laughs> end on a high that's, note, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so global peace and go. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, it's weird to me that I work in an in industry which is so data driven and numbers driven yeah. and like people are not necessarily looking at the key metrics that they should in order to make some of those decisions or those points. Um, but the, the first thing I, I go to is, and this is what I did with the Facebook supplier diversity program because I had to, I had to sell it in 30 minutes to the CFO to determine if he was going to fund it or not. And this is a, you know, six foot four straight rich white dude who's like well nothing here i get out of this which on the surface you would think yeah there would be nothing in here for dave to get out of it but he got it in like 10 15 minutes i was like oh yeah this makes perfect sense because i gave him numbers okay so in the absence of what's in it for me 
But I, I say do both. Yeah. Like always lead with how whatever it is that you're proposing or what you think is the right answer is beneficial to someone else. To some people, it could be appealing to their their uh, ability or need to do well by doing good. Mm -hmm. To other people, it could be this is how much money you're going to lose if you don't do this. To other people, it could be here's the the extrinsic value that you get with better product design. It could be, hey, bad PR if we don't do this, we're going to get dragged on Twitter. Whatever it is Whatever that it appeals is. to people, I actually say hit all four of those um, because all of them lead back to money in the end. Right. And that's what people care about. Absolutely. Data. data. Data points and money. Metrics. I, there is, and I forget who said it, but, you know, metrics are synonymous with meaning, particularly in the world yes. that we live in now. And I also think, though, we can't forget uh, we need to lead with purpose. We need to lead with humanity. And as women or people of color or women of a certain age, whatever box you check, always be able to articulate your purpose, articulate your worth, and define your own value. Don't let anyone else do that for you. And do that with boundaries too. Yeah. If you do not set your own boundaries, somebody else will set them for you and you will not like where they are because they probably will not exist. All right, we're gonna have to wrap it up, ladies. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. We'd love to keep this conversation going and want to hear what's on your mind. Please share your thoughts and comments on our LinkedIn page under the post for this episode. If you liked the podcast, please be sure to tell your friends and subscribe to us on iTunes or however you get your podcasts. I'm Melissa Pacey, and I'll talk to you next time.